Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. and gentlemen, welcome to the Tricam Wealth Service fourth quarter 2020 earnings results conference call and webcast. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Brad Fedora, President and Chief Executive Officer of Tricam Wealth Services LTD. Please go ahead, Mr. Fedora. Thank you very much. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank you for attending the year-end conference call for Tricam Wealth Services. Uh, today, we're going to provide you with a financial update, and then I'll make some comments on the current operating conditions. Um, before we do that, I'd please refer you to our website, where you'll find our investor presentation. And on page two of that, you will find the legal disclaimer, and I ask you to please read that in conjunction with this call. Uh, I'll now turn the call over to Klaas, who is our newly appointed interim CFO, and he'll provide you with a financial summary. Good morning. Thanks, Brad. Before we begin, I'd like to point out that this conference call may contain forward-looking statements and other information based on current expectations or results for the company. Certain material factors or assumptions are applied in drawing a conclusion or making a projection as reflected in the forward-looking information section of our annual 2020 MD&A. A number of business risks and uncertainties could cause the actual results to differ materially from these forward-looking statements and financial outlook. Some of these risks and uncertainties are further amplified due to the current global health crisis caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Please refer to our 2020 annual information form and the business risks section of our MD&A for the year end of December 31, 2020 for a more complete description of business risks and uncertainties facing TRICAM. This conference call refers to several common industry terms and certain non-GAAP measures which are more fully described in our annual 2020 MD&A. Our annual results are released and are available on CDAR. By historic standards, industry activity in the Western Canadian sedimentary basin has remained at cyclical lows. The average Western Canadian rig count was 89 drilling rigs, which compares to 134 in Q4 2019 and 52 in Q3 2020. The recovery in the Q4 rig, count, rig counts over Q3 led to sequential improvements in almost all financial categories. Fracturing operations activity was more consistent through the quarter and remained relatively steady, with typical December slowdowns during the holiday period. The company operated an average of five fracturing crews at a utilization level of 60%, which compares to eight crews at 71% in Q4 2019. Despite the lower crew counts, lower utilization, and lower average pricing, strong operational performance and efficiencies allowed us to generate reasonable margins in the context of the current economic climate. Cement and coil continue to show steady improvement through the quarter, with both service lines achieving noticeable improvements in activity and revenue levels as the quarter progressed. These improvements allowed us to increase our crew counts to a Q4 exit level of 17 cement crews and six coil tubing crews. The significant efficiencies achieved in our business at the end of March 2020, combined with efficiencies already being implemented in advance of the COVID-19 events, have resulted in a much more resilient business cost structure. Despite year-over-year industry activity reductions and a corresponding year-over-year revenue reductions of $60 million, our adjusted EBITDA was $14.5 million, 
similar to Q4 2019 levels of 14.6 million, which is a testament to the efficiency gains made by the company. Q4 2020 adjusted EBITDA was negatively affected by a cash stock compensation expense of 1.9 million, which fluctuates with the company's movement in share price, and fluid end expenditures of 1.2 million. The Canadian emergency wage and rent subsidies contributed 4.9 million to EBITDA during the quarter. The fourth quarter earnings were negative 25 million, which includes an impairment charge on specific assets of 22 million, or about 8.5 cents per share. Excluding the impact of the impairment charge, the company's net loss improved significantly relative to the Q4 2019 loss of 20.9 million as the positive effects of optimizing both the company's asset base and operating cost structure are starting to be realized. The impairment charge recognized was largely comprised of equipment which the company does not expect to activate again. We have been successful in selling surplus equipment over the past several years at reasonable prices and will market this equipment for sale as well. The company's strong financial position means we can continue to be disciplined as we look for opportunities to sell these assets. The company's business generated strong operating cash flow of approximately $23 million in the quarter, including $9 million from working capital. This strong operating cash flow combined with $4 million cash generation from the monetization of stranded balance sheet capital continues to add to TriCam's already strong financial position. TriCam exited the year with $22 million in cash and no drawn bank debt. Additionally, the company has positive non-cash working capital of approximately $40 million. Since the start of the year, our financial position has continued to improve as we have agreements in place to sell $7.5 million of businesses and assets that the company was unlikely to use for future cash flow generation. Our strong cash position and available credit lines continue to provide the company with significant liquidity to weather this current market uncertainty and will allow us to maintain our equipment in good working condition while also keeping our powder dry to make opportunistic investments. Our Q4 2020 capital expenditures remain modest at $4.2 million. We were able to invest in 10 new dual-fuel upgrade kits for our fracturing pumpers and are trialing a fracturing pumper with a new Tier 4 dual-fuel engine. These investments are part of TriCam's commitment to becoming an ESG leader in the WCSB oil field services industry while providing superior technical capabilities to our customers. In 2020, our capital expenditures approximated a little more than 3% of revenue, and our 2021 sustaining capital plan will remain similarly disciplined. Our current sustaining capital is estimated in the range of 2 to 4% of revenue for 2021. Preserving our balance sheet flexibility remains a top priority for the company, and we will only invest in projects that provide long-term efficiencies and quick paybacks while working with our customers to meet their ESG commitments. During the fourth quarter, we invested $4.5 million into our NCID program. Although the company continues to view share repurchase as a good long-term investment opportunity for the use of any excess capital, we will always evaluate opportunities that will offer the best long-term investment for the company. I'll now turn the call over to Brad, who will be providing comments on operating conditions and strategic outlook. Thanks, Klaus. So, I think certainly the market has improved considerably. Um, you know, when we think about the summer, Q3 was, you know, with the, with the benefit of hindsight, was definitely, I think, below um, over the last five, six years even. I mean, Q4 activity significantly increased across all of our business lines, especially when you compare them to Q3. Um, and we continue to be really active with our core customers. Um, you know, the rate count has grown from a low of 20 at the beginning of July until it, it as high as 185 sometime in Q1. And so, you know, certainly the activity and the outlook has greatly improved in the last six months. You know, pricing 
unfortunately has not improved nearly as much as I would have I would have uh, predicted. You know, and we had actually predicted a price increase mid Q1, and we we haven't seen that. Pricing was was quite stable in Q4 versus Q3, but didn't actually increase um, as activities started to ramp up. And you know, I would have I do expect that we will see a price increase in the second half of 2021. In fact, you know, we're 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 messaging with our customers quite directly that you know certainly we're priced at sub-economic levels, and that regardless of sort of activity levels for the second half of 2021, that you know we are going to have to put in a price increase just to make the business sustainable. Um, and as everybody knows, it's a high fixed cost business, and so you know, all of those price increases, with the exception of, you know, the inflation that we have to absorb and we have absorbed since the beginning of the year, you know, all of that price increase will will generally go to straight to EBITDA and to earnings. But, um, you know, certainly a price increase is required um, to make to make this business even remotely economic. So we've averaged, in Q4, we averaged about five track crews. Um, we ran about 190,000 horsepower. Um, at the peak, and we averaged about a, about a, just over 100,000 horsepower through the quarter. Um, we, we ran 16 primary cementing crews and five, five coil crews. The majority of our work, I think, in fact, almost 90% of our work is, is generally the Montney and the Deep Basin. And, you know, we, I would have said in the past, you know, most of that work would have been both dry gas and liquid risk gas. But, you know, when we look at Q4, actually two of the five frac spreads that we were running were focused on oil. Now, that oil is not, you know, southwest Saskatchewan or southeast Alberta. It's, it's Duvernay and Montney oil. Um, and so, you know, certainly when we look at the oil price increases, you know, we're excited about the rev- or the, you know, the activity that's going to happen in, in, for the rest of 2021. Um, when we, when we think about the year going forward, we would expect that about 30% of our work would be would be sort of oil focused. The rest would be both liquid rich and dry gas. But you know, over 90% of our revenue is sort of in the northwest part of Alberta and northeast BC. Um, profit, we're we're still seeing profit per well increase. Um, you know, our customers are are very focused on how much profit they're placing on a per meter basis in the horizontal sections of our wells. And, you know, we're seeing about a 50-50 split between um, Ottawa White, which is sourced out of the uh, northeast U.S., and domestic sand, which is which is sourced throughout throughout Alberta. Um, we, did, we did a really good job um, reducing our costs. You know, the company has been focused on reducing its costs now for about three years, and we're at the stage now where we think we have our costs um, to a level that we're happy with going forward, and, and our costs will stay fixed at these levels, even as we add more fracking and cementing crews. You know, and just to put this in context, you know, we're quite vocal with the fact that our, our, both our GNA and our fixed costs would be half of what they were uh, even just two years ago. So, you know, when we think about our costs going forward, we're happy to leave them as is. We can add revenue, and of course, all of that contribution margin or field margin from the incremental revenue will go will go straight to the bottom line. So when we think about the outlook for the remainder of twenty twenty one, we had a great we had a great start to Q one. You know, we our, our customers were, were busy right after Christmas, which allowed us to have a really good a really good January and a really busy February. You know, we have, we generally expect that the market is going to continue like this into the second half of the year. You know, we our Q two bookings uh, to date are better than they've been in years. And, 
you know, it's nice to see, especially year over year, a, a, a Q2 that, you know, we won't take a big EBITDA loss. You know, we're actually, we, we hope that EBITDA will be relatively flat in Q2 of this year. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a reflection of the fact that, you know, all of our customers are getting back to work. They're doing, they're doing a much better job level loading, level loading their work throughout the year, taking advantage of the warmer weather, um, and, you know, just generally, you know, just generally increasing their activity as, as, the, uh, as the year unfolds. You know, we had very cold weather um, in Q1 today, especially in particularly in February. So I just want to thank all of our field, field staff. They did great work through, this, through that cold snap. We didn't have any operational issues, uh, no equipment issues, no supply chain issues just due to planning. And so everybody here here at Tricam did a great job, and and uh, it's going to be reflected in our financial results in Q1. Uh, we're still below last year's rate count, but you know we we did peak at sort of in the sort of 185 rigs in Western Canada, and you know we're not we didn't see all of that activity from the fracking perspective yet in Q1, and so you know we do think there'll be a, a, a good inventory of wells to, to be completed in the second half of this year and, and, and in Q2 as well. So um, we, we did add we did add a, a sixth crew to the company, a sixth frack crew to the company, so we averaged about five Qs in Q4. We added an additional frack, Q, frack crew in Q1. And we expect that we're going to run with six frack crews and about 17 to 20 cement crews for the, for the remainder of 2021. We don't expect to add any incremental frack crews um, in, in, you know, unless there's a, a significant increase in activity. You know, we don't have a great visibility into the second half of the year, but certainly our customer conversations have indicated that work is going to, con is going to continue to be active. Um, you know, they're starting to look at their budgets and they're starting to add wells here and there. It's still, you know, very Montney and Deep Basin focused, you know, northwest Alberta and northeast BC. Um, so we're expecting the remainder of the year uh, to be generally you know, busy, not necessarily reflective of Q1 activity, but certainly much busier than we saw Q3 and Q4 of 2020. Um, you know, our margins, we've done a great job of reducing costs. Um, we haven't seen the price increases that we were hoping for. But, you know, we've actually been able to, to provide decent margins just due to the efficiencies that we've, that we've built into the company over the last few years. And, you know, we expect that to continue. Um, you know, we've, we've done a great job of supply chain. Um, we've done a great job in the field, you know, getting, getting profit in place in a short period of time. You know, most of our work now, if not almost all of it, is 24 hours. You know, we've achieved pump times of 23 out of 24 hours in, in certain locations. So certainly, you know, I think our customers are happy with the efficiencies we've achieved, and it's helping to reduce their, you know, their well costs. And we continue to focus on that. And, you know, we, we continue to invest in not only systems and people, but equipment that will help us achieve these ongoing efficiencies as, as the activity in the basin heats up. Um, we haven't seen a lot of inflation. In the system yet, I mean, we obviously diesel, things like diesel, third-party trucking go up immediately with oil price increases. You know, we have seen logistics charges um, just as the activity increases with with respect with respect to sand. You know, we are seeing third-party costs starting to creep up um, you know, as well, just as you know, the, as the rate count has gone from you know a low of 20 last summer to over 180 in Q1. 
and certainly anytime you have a cold snap, that does increase your cost. But, you know, generally, we, I think we've done a pretty good job, and our suppliers have, you know, they're also working on their efficiencies, and we've done a pretty good job to keep our costs contained to make sure that, you know, our customers' well costs haven't, you know, haven't increased as even nearly in proportion to, to the activity increase. And we did set a Canadian record in Q4 in December. We pumped over 4,300 tons of sand uh, two days in a row on an offensive location, and you know, which is which is unbelievable. It's over 100 truckloads of sand in a 24-hour period, so we're really happy with that. You know, our people in the field did a fantastic job, and certainly, anytime you can deliver that type of service to your customers, you know, they take notice of it, and you know, we expect you know more more of that type of performance in 2021, and and uh, certainly our customers are. Are, are rewarding us for that. You know, we have made, we have started to think about the market from a perspective of ESG. I think we can all agree that ESG is going to become a you know more powerful force, not just in the oil and gas industry, but you know across the economy. And we think about you know what our customers need to fulfill their ESG commitments and their targets. And you know we started to make investments into technology, particularly engine technology. To help them reduce emissions and, and get their costs down, um, you know, and, and like Klaus was mentioning, we did we did take delivery of the first what's called the uh, Tier Four engine in, in Canada, and what that does is it it displaces uh, diesel consumption and uses natural gas to to run the engine. And of course, the significance of that is it's greatly reduced costs and greatly reduced emissions. So anytime you know you can run you can run engines on natural gas versus diesel. You know, I think it's a win not only not only for for us from a cost perspective, but you know, certainly for the public from an emissions perspective. And it's always nice to use you know natural gas that's sourced locally. Um, and so we're using that gas that comes right off the pad to run to run our equipment. And you will see further investments into the type of technology, whether it's tier four technology to displace diesel with natural gas or idle reduction technology. Um, you know safer chemicals and more flexible chemicals that allow our customers to use more produced water versus fresh water. You know, we're looking at every every angle, and, and not just from an environmental perspective. You know, when you think about ESG, we, we often talk too much about the E and not about the S and the G. And so certainly when you think when you think about our diversity policies and our relationships with Indigenous bands throughout Western Canada, you know, we're attacking all of those fronts. To make sure that you know not only our customers are fulfilling their ESG targets, but but TriCan is as well. You know, we we set our own internal targets, and we're going to continue to focus on this um, in all categories, being e, you know the, the environmental, the social, and the governance, to ensure that uh, you know we're fulfilling the expectations of our employees and our and our investors. Very just before I wrap up, you know, we have very very limited capital plans at this time. And that will continue to evolve as the year goes on. But, you know, we're certainly from a capital perspective, you know, we think about investments in technology that not only reduce costs and emissions, but, you know, make make our, 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 our customers' costs lower. And we'll continue to look at anything and everything. You know, and I think a lot of people have heard about electric fracking, um, and it's taken a lot of press in the U.S. It's probably not that applicable in Canada just to, in Canada just due to the logistics issues. Uh, but certainly, when you think about electric, electric, of course, is, is generally sourced from natural gas. You know, you run a turbine off natural gas, it generates electricity, and that electricity runs the frac pumps. You know, we've sort of taken the approach that, you know, we're probably a ways off from an elect, 
from an, a fully electric frac pump anytime soon. And, you know, we're looking more like the tier four engines that run off natural gas, you know, directly. Um, and we're, but we're achieving the same emissions reductions, the same cost reductions. And so I think so far our customers have been very happy and will continue to invest and explore those areas to, to you know, to provide better service for our customers and, and uh, you know, be a better corporate citizen. Uh, we continue to be active in the in our in our share buyback. You know, certainly if these prices were not nearly as active as we were, you know, we, we currently trade at about tangible book value, and so you know we're, we're more oppor opportunistic at these price levels. Um, but certainly that will stay in place, and it'll probably be likely be a permanent part of our capital spend going forward. And you know, we'll take we'll take our opportunities you know where we find them from a from a pricing perspective and. And uh, so we're not as active as we were, but we, you know it is it is part of our capital spend going forward. Uh, we're re we're really happy with our balance sheet. And we get asked a lot of questions about sort of what's next, um, and, and and our answer is we're still exploring our our the opportunities that are available to us, and you know we're fortunate to be in a position where we can look at anything and everything, and it's just making sure that we spend our money in a way that provides a return for our shareholders. You know, grows our grows our company's presence in the market, um, and you know, we'll we'll continue to evaluate the opportunities in front of us, but certainly won't make any decisions unless we're assured that we're going to get a, a financial return for for the company and our shareholders. So I think I'll wrap up the call, and we'll turn our over the call to the operator. Comes from Keith McKee of RBC. Please go ahead. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hi, good morning, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, just maybe first to start off on, on pricing, mentioned you'd maybe seek a, an improvement in the second half. Now, do you think that the price, price improvement you'd ask for or get would be enough to cover the inflation that you've also talked about or, you know, be more than, um, be more than that amount or, or less than that amount, would you, would you kind of say? Yeah, the, the inflation we've, we've experienced in Q1 in particular, you know, it's significant because it is sort of 1% to 2% of, of revenue. And given where pricing is today, you know, we, we just don't have the room to absorb that type of cost increase on our end. And so, yeah, but I think our customers have been really understanding with having us, you know, letting us pass on some of that those costs going forward. But so certainly... You know, we, when we think about price increases, we do break it down into cost recovery and then just a general, um, you know, price increase for, for our margins. And, and so the answer is the, the price increases that we're contemplating for the second half would be would be in excess of inflation. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. And just on, on the, the dual fuel and pricing of, of that versus non, like, do you... Do you, do you get a significant or noticeable increase for for that type of equipment versus the non non dual fuel, or is it 
uh, or is it moot these days because you're only really running your dual fuel? Yeah, you know, there's, there's sort of 1.1 million horsepower operating in Canada today, you know, industry-wide. And about half of that horsepower is dual fuel. Um, you know, both, you know, ours and our competitors, you know, we're fortunate enough to have the largest dual fuel fleet in Canada, but there typically is not enough dual fuel equipment for our customers' requirements. And so it is priced at a premium. It certainly isn't priced at the premium you would expect, you know, given the shortage of the equipment in the basin. But yeah, we do, we do charge, we do charge a premium for the dual fuel uh, engines and pumps. Got it. Okay. And and one more just on, on pricing again. Has there been any any concessions at all with respect to anything like standby fees or or little terms before you get the pricing increases or or have you not really had much of that uh, much of those uh, conversations either? Yeah. I mean I think you clearly understand how this works and certainly before you you just put an across the board price increase, you start to to, to get back some of the things that you've given up, and that would be, you know, throw-ins or, or, you know, add-in services that don't get charged or even standby fees or, you know, not passing through all of your third-party costs. And so we've already started to recover some of that and, and, and be less, I guess, less forgiving um, on what we're prepared to, to provide our customers without charge. So. You know, that has already started to happen, and, and you know, our customers understand that we need to do this. Um, you know, there hasn't been an adversarial um, communication with our customer base. They, under, they understand that we, we need to recover some of these costs going forward, and that pricing has got to a level that just is, isn't remotely sustainable. So, yeah, we have started to recover some of those sort of off-the-invoice items. And, and then for the second half of this year, you know, we'll not only recover some of those items, but we would expect, you know, a, a, a top-line price increase as well. Okay. Fair enough. Thanks. Thanks very much for the color. Thank you. Our next question comes from Cole Pereira of Stiefel. Please go ahead. Uh, morning, everyone. Just uh, on the upgrade CapEx, you said it was limited, but are you willing to share any details, just more specifics on the approximate timing and the amount of that spending? No, we're still we're still evaluating um, any upgrades that we make to our fleet, and uh, when we have something more definitive, you know, if we have something more definitive, we'll we'll let our shareholders know at that time. But there's nothing there's nothing to pass on at this stage. Okay, got it. Uh, that's fair. Uh, as well, lots of details around ESG strategy in the release. I guess my first question would be, how are you thinking about something like perhaps a formalized ESG report? Yeah, we would expect to have our sustainability report out in 2021, um, in the second half of this year. And, you know, we'll, like with all of these, it'll, you know, we'll, We'll put out a report. It, it'll it'll be general in nature, and and we'll build on it from from that going forward. Okay, I uh, got it. Thanks. Uh, some good detail on how you're thinking about organic investments, return hurdles, etc. Are you willing to share anything about how you're thinking about potential M and A in the current market? Yeah, I think you know we 
we do look at consolidation opportunities both within within our sector and, and other oil field service lines. You know, and we understand investors are looking for bigger uh, bigger companies. They they want to see cost synergies across the basin. Um, but you know, we want to make sure that anything that we do is a you know we we think about it sort of from a three tiered approach. You know, is is it a significant business? Um, you know, can it can it add significant revenue and EBITDA to our, to our business? And is is it something that we can we can add value to? Like, do we have the knowledge to to not only to run the company, but can we also grow it? You know, and so when you think about that, when you think about those three things, um, you know, we, we'll make sure that if we do in fact transact, it'll it'll be thoughtful and and there'll be a clear line of sight as to how we're going to add value to the business. Okay, great. That's uh, helpful. Thanks. I'll turn it back. Our next question comes from Wakar Saeed of ATD Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, good morning. Um, so, first question um, in the cementing and quality-building business, you know, what are you seeing in terms of pricing in the first quarter? Is it similar to fracturing or better or worse? I guess you would say it's similar to fracking in that we haven't seen price increases yet, um, but it's better than fracturing in the sense that it didn't get as beat up as, as fracturing pricing did. And so when we look at the, the profit in those two divisions or, you know, the bottom line in those two divisions, they're certainly performing much better than the fracturing division is just because, you know, those the pricing didn't, just didn't get nearly as low or, you know, didn't trend down as low as, as fracturing prices have. And so, you know, we expect price increases in cement and coil, but, you know, probably not to the same extent that we're expecting um, in the fracturing division. And in the fracturing side uh, for the second half pricing, has there been any um, any negotiations done that gives you this level of confidence that uh, pricing could be higher, or is it uh, still too early to have anything actually signed up? Yeah, you know, nothing ever really gets signed up, um, but we do have ongoing discussions with our core customers, and I guess the discussions to date would indicate that um, we, you know, we are going to be able to pass on some price increases, and uh, like I said, I think our customers have been really understanding, and you know, they understand that you know, pricing levels have have gotten to 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 the point where they're just not sustainable and they do need to go up. And it's not as simple as that, though, because, you know, when we talk about price increases with our customers, you know, we also talk about operating efficiencies. And so the commitment we're making to them is we'll continue to look for efficiencies to reduce their costs and even just reduce our time on location. And so we're able to charge more for our services, but, you know, their overall well cost may not increase. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, uh, talked about uh, input cost inflation that you've experienced and you've been able to maybe pass some of that to the customer and some uh, you absorbed. So, should we assume that uh, gross profit margins uh, in the first quarter would be lower or kind of still you could maintain or maybe improve uh, in the first quarter versus the fourth quarter? Hi, uh, Ricard. The margins should maintain to be pretty similar. Of course, in Canada, you get the EI and CPP resets in Q1. 
Um, you know, so I think that uh, grinds in your costs in a, in a people-intensive business a little bit in Q1, but just on higher activity, higher revenue levels, right? So you get the, the flex on your more of your fixed costs and DNA structure. Right. Okay. And then you, you know there was a comment made uh, that uh, if the dev would be should be flat Q1 versus Q2, was it? You meant flat, or was, was did you mean the like second quarter was, should be you know, break even type of the dark? Okay. Yeah, that, thanks for, for clarifying that. So, we, yeah, we're not expecting Q2 EBITDA to be consistent with Q1. Um, that would be great, but uh, it's not going to happen. But, yeah, you're right. When we say we, we expect our EBITDA to be sort of zero-ish in Q2 opposed to a loss that we've had in prior years. Okay, okay, good. Um, and then um, in terms of uh, maintenance capex uh, per, uh, uh, per crew or per fleet in pumping, what is it uh, running at uh, uh, on an analyzed basis? Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, per crew, to break it down, uh, is, like we're looking at it more holistically with all the, the service lines in that 2 to 4%. Wakara, we're at 3, 3% and actually sub 3% in 2020 when you – take out a little bit of the growth stuff we did. Um, so maintenance capital, if you kind of look on a per fleet basis right now, we're probably running two to two and a half million. Um, you know, not sure if we can sustain that. It's probably going to start to creep up a little bit. But, uh, you know, we wouldn't be as much as the American competitors, which are probably four to five million per crew. I think normalized, you'd be looking more three million-ish per, per crew. Uh, great, that's, that's all for me. Thank you very much. Thanks. Our next question comes from John Gibson of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. All right, thanks for taking my call. More questions. Um, just, we've seen quite a bit of consolidation in the Canadian GNT space. I'm just wondering uh, how you expect this to impact TriCan here as we go forward uh, throughout the year. Yeah, we generally view consolidation as positive for us. Um, as the companies get bigger and more sophisticated, you know, their planning gets more transparent and long-term. And, you know, the ESG push that you you find with the larger companies, you know, we think we can play into that, those requests uh, very well and, and, and are probably better positioned than our competitors to provide to provide our customers with, with services and technology that fulfill their ESG targets. So, yeah, we, we welcome and, and, and are excited about the, about the consolidation in our customer space. And, and, you know, certainly, you know, our work is, is all deep-based and Montney-focused. And so, you know, high-grading those assets and, 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 you know, making them more economic it will do nothing but encourage further spending. And so, yeah, we, we view the consolidation as positive for us. Okay, great. Um, not to harp too much on the pricing increase. I'm, just, I'm guessing, just wondering, what has changed in terms of market dynamics relative to the pickup we saw to start 2021 that gives you confidence that you can implement a price increase in the back half of the year? Well, I, I, it's, a, it's a number of, of factors, but certainly when you think about when you think about where we've got to over the last five, six years, you know, it's just been a continued erosion of pricing. And at the same time, a continued increase in operating efficiencies. And so 
I think we've just we've reached the level now that it's quite active. We're having to reinvest in our equipment. You know, we we have an aging fleet, and uh, there hasn't been in, any investments in, in the Canadian fracturing fleet now in five years. Um, and so now it's it's sort of when we think about the ESG targets and the ESG requirements of our customers. We have to make we start have to start making investments, and whether it's from a maintenance capital or, or high grading, high grading our assets, and we're just not in a position to do that at today's pricing. And so, you know, if our if our customers want, you know, continued high quality service with, you know, continued uh, investigation into new technologies and and how to get better operating efficiencies, we just can't do that at these pricing levels. And so. You know, we've we've discussed these these issues with our customers, and they they seem to understand that. So, and it, it's you know it's not complicated. They they know that pricing has just gotten to the level that it just isn't sustainable. And you know, it's one thing when you're running less than a hundred drilling rigs in Canada. You know, maybe those conversations are tougher to have. But you know, certainly with you've seen a giant increase in commodity prices, both on the oil and the gas side, and so our customers' cash flows have have greatly increased. Um, you know, it's time for us to to uh, share in some of that upside and make sure that our fleet is going to meet their needs on a go-forward basis. But you know, that requires investment. In order to make that investment, you know, we need to we need to have a price increase. Okay, great. Uh, last one for me. Just wondering if you have any early indications for wage wage subsidy guidance uh, for the year. Going to hand this order. Class and Rob. Yeah, we're, we're looking at similar levels to, to probably slightly down from Q4, John. And uh, Q2 will come off a little bit more because I think it expires sort of mid June ish. So, uh, you know, it'll uh, slow trail off um, from, from Q4 levels. Okay, great. Uh, appreciate the color. I'll turn it back. Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. Our next question comes from Alex Squires of Brand Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning. Could, could you hear me all right? Yes. Uh, I wanted to find out if, if um, you anticipate getting any of the fracking business on the uh, LNG project. Yeah, you know, I just... Uh, Thanks for that. Actually, you know, it's, it's a good reminder that you know LNG, the construction of our LNG facilities, has continued um, over these last few years, and certainly has continued through through 2020, even with COVID. And you know, there's there's thousands of people on location every day, you know, sort of diligently working working on that project, and we're expecting that to start exporting gas in late 2024 or 2025. And so, yeah, it's you know, even though it is sort of four years away, our customers are starting to think about how they're going to fulfill their production needs. And so, you, you are seeing you are seeing the customers that are involved in that LNG project and maybe associated with providing gas, starting to think about you know the the runway on you know, how they're going to get there. And so, we're not seeing a lot of what you would call direct LNG activity today. Um, but certainly, you know, some of the larger companies and the, and the participants in the LNG project are starting to plan over the next few years. And and the answer is yes, we would expect uh, we would expect to be an active service provider to those 
to those companies as they ramp up their activity, you know, leading into 2025, where you know we're we're going to be having uh, significant you know natural gas exports. But it would likely not be until about 2023 to 2025. No, I I I would say it's not a 2021 item, or you know, it's not on our activity board for this year. You certainly couldn't directly correlate that to the LNG. But I think when you start thinking about 2022 and 2023, yeah, certainly there is a focus on making sure that they have the production base required to sustain. You know what's fairly significant exports, and it's on a daily basis, as we all know. So, um, yeah, certainly next year, I think they're going to be more directly directing activity to ensuring that there is the there is the reserve base and the production base to fulfill their to fulfill their requirements. So it's it's starting in you know more definitely starting in 2022. Thank you. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Fedora for any closing remarks. Thank you, everyone, uh, for joining the call. The management team here at TriCan will be available throughout the day, and so if there is any further questions, please don't hesitate to email us or call us, and you know, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And thanks again. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.